And welcome back to another edition of Official Word Sports. I'm Vince. I'm here with my co-host, Stevie D. Stevie D, it's playoff time. So we, we had to break out the playoff jersey. You know, this is the color rush jersey, right? Uh, the Josh Allen 17. So I, I'm definitely excited. We're going we're gonna to talk about this, but uh, I, I kind of have the feeling that I should be having a bye week this week. Some people say I am having a bye week this week, but you know, you, every team on any given Sunday, right, is what they say. So I'd rather be having the bye week. But uh, after a long season, it's DVD. You know, we say this all the time, all the time, that we can't wait for the season to start, right? It takes so long to go through the dog days. It takes so long just to get to the draft. It takes so long for free agency, right? And then it's finally here, right? It's our first preseason game. We're like, oh, I can't wait. It's going to be so exciting. And then you have opening opening weekend, right? You have the kickoff and all that, and you're all excited. And now it's over. Now it's time for the playoffs. Well, it's over for me. It's not over for you. Well, you know, there, there's a certain amount of teams that now they are, you know, reevaluating uh, their situations. We, we, we had what they call Black Monday, right, um, which wasn't as um, active as we've seen in some of the years past. Uh, some of the coaches no longer with their teams. We knew some of it was going to happen. Uh, but, yeah, it, when, when you think about it, just that season – all the anticipation, it's it's over. And truth be told, now is time for big boy football, right? Now, now is where, you know, really those first 17 games, that was the preseason. Now it now it's time, time to get the business in. You know, I, I'm very excited about hey, there's Terry. Hey Terry, how are you? I'm very excited, you know, about this next journey, right? This next step of the season. Uh, I'm excited with some of the things that are happening. We're going to go into that in a little bit. Uh, but Stevie D, well, welcome. I, I, I don't want to kind of leave you out there, you know. So, what's up, Stevie D? It's okay, man. It's okay. Do you need a hug? No, well, <laughs> yes, I need a virtual <laughs> hug, right? And so. There is a lot here, right? You, 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 in through the first nine games, you kind of overachieve, or, or you're six and three, and you have these aspirations of, oh, we're better than what we are. And, um, you know, there's still a lot of positives that came out of the Jets season. I think the Jets rookie class really showed that they are a good rookie class. Um, I think the Jets have a lot of young talent, um, overall on the defensive side of the ball and, and, and some talent on the offensive side of the ball. And it's just going to take that next year maturation to take that next step. We talk about it all the time. Um, I think um, the Jets were a little bit ahead of schedule through maybe you can say the through nine through weeks 11 at six and three to seven and four. They were a little bit ahead of schedule. And then all of a sudden these expectations come like, ooh, okay, right? And then, you know, we, we hit that Zach Wilson wall, right? And um, – it didn't. It didn't work out. It didn't end well. And uh, the Jets, at the end of the year, decided to. And this was interesting. Um, how, if you Jet fans listen to the press conference from from Robert Sala, and um, they parted ways with Michael Floor, but they made it sound like teams were calling about Michael Floor, like 
I think maybe they were calling to find out is he staying or going. I, I don't think they were asking him, hey, can we make a trade for Michael LaFleur, right? I don't think it was that. But they may have gained some, you know, trying to gain interest, uh, gain some knowledge if he was staying or going. But at the end of the day, I think Robert Sala and Joe Douglas did not want to make this change. This came, and, and, and they can all say what they want. If you watch the press conference, this is not Sala's decision. And if you read through the tea leaves and everything, he basically, by through body language, facial expressions. To me, it came across as Woody says, somebody's going to pay the price. Now, did LaFleur deserve to get fired? It's debatable. Um, our offensive lineman, uh, John Benton, was re was relieved of his duties. And I think that was somebody that needed to go because our offensive line has struggled the last few years, and he's been the coach, and I, I don't have a problem with that change. As far as LaFleur goes, you know, it's one of those, it's a weird, you're in a weird spot. Right, because you're two years into this administration, and all of a sudden you change your OC, and it's like, okay, is the new a new OC and new coaching staff going to come in? How does that fit in with with this with with this coach and this tenure? Right, because what if the Jets fall on their face next year? I don't think there's any more excuses. So it's going to be interesting how it plays out. My problem I had with Lafleur was he did not adapt his scheme. To, to the quarterback, and he didn't make in-game adjustments. And it felt like to me he just kept force-feeding the playbook that he wanted to play and not realizing down and distance or um, score of the game uh, and in-game situations where maybe we needed to you know, change this up. You know, one of the great examples were towards the end of the year with against Seattle. And the Seattle defense was saying, I told you, I told you what was coming. He's too predictable. He's too predictable. Not the quarterback. The offense is too predictable. They knew what was coming. So if Seattle's saying that in week 17, what other teams are saying that midpoint of the season where maybe they weren't as boisterous on the sideline, but how many teams said, you know what? We know what's coming. Well, and so you, and, you know, that's, that's a loaded statement, right? When you hear that, because – you have to look at where you where you were, and I, honestly, I think the Lafleur uh, firing, dismissal, whatever, um, is because Zach regressed or did not. Did well, not I didn't get I didn't get to that whole quarterback spot, right? I, I was just beginning. But, I, I got a whole problem with just. But if, the ball if you think about it, though, when when they were saying that, more than likely. Now, you you and I aren't aren't in that quarterback room aren't aren't you know in those offices, but more than likely, the scheme in the playbook was kind of, lack of a better term, dumbed down a little bit, right? Scaled back so that they could try to maximize whatever Zach or Mike White were doing, right? You you think about it, Mike White is is a guy that second or third on the depth chart to start the season, elevated to number one. Right, you're not. He's not getting that full playbook right off the bat, right? And same, same with Zach is probably Zach had a bigger portion of the playbook that they then had to shrink down. Like, look, you are not getting it done. How do we make? How do we get put you in the spot to get it done? I don't well, think they did that. Well, if I'm getting a playbook that's you know 100 pages, and now all of a sudden we're only calling out at 20 pages, 
then yeah, I'm going to be able to say, oh yeah, there it is, right? We saw that last week. We we saw that two weeks ago, um, you know. But I I personally, and you said we we hadn't gotten to that, you know, the the Mike Lafleur um, firing Mike. It's Mike, right? Matt's in Green Bay. Yeah, the the Mike Lafleur firing. Um, it had to come, right? Um, and it, it was all on Zach and, and the lack of development. Um, I, I blame I blame Salah, right? Yeah, right. And, and look, but I'm not a Lafleur fan either. Now, don't get me wrong; I'm not a Lafleur fan, but a Lafleur fan. But I blame Salah for this one. We all have day jobs. In my right? chair. <laughs> but we all have day jobs, right? We do. And there are times as leaders, right, throughout the course of our leadership and everybody that's been in a leadership role, um, there's sometimes there's things called, that's a fireable offense, right? Yes. That's a fireable offense, right? And so when I look at Greg Sala, there's a lot of great things he's done with this organization. And but the one thing that really bothers me more than anything that I would consider on there as a fireable offense. And you can say the same thing to Joe Douglas, because, again, he's the general. Right. Salah's the captain or the colonel. Right. And, and, and Joe Douglas is the general. When the late Greg Knapp passed away in 2021 in training camp, who was the passing game coordinator. He was going to be the glue for Zach Wilson, right? He was going to be the glue. He was going to, he's teaching Zach everything. He was the guy. He was the quarterback whisperer. I think it's the term many people like to use. I hate that word, but we'll go with it. He passes away in a tragic accident in training camp in 2021. That's why you don't text and drive people because you can run people over and kill them. And that's what happened. So I can understand that in 21, you don't backfill. It happened before training camp. Can you bring somebody outside the organization, get up to speed of what you're trying to accomplish, whatnot? I guess I can go with that. But it's a fireable offense not to replace Greg Knapp last offseason, which I would say start right about now, right? Your season ended. You should be looking for that, that replacement for Greg Knapp once the season was over and then get that person on board. That, to me, is the crime. Sam Donald was here under Mike McCagnan to Joe Douglas, and they didn't give Sam all the tutelage that he needed. You failed him with coaching. It was admitted. Mm -hmm. It was the same thing Mike LaFleur said in his press conference, in his post game. He, he could have benefited from sitting. So you're admitting right now perhaps that the coaching wasn't there and he could have he could have learned more from sitting. And for me, in the leadership perspective of I'm Woody Johnson, I am fuming. I am fuming at Joe Douglas and I'm fuming at Robert Sala because this is the number two overall pick. This is not a game to be played. Right? You sold me on this guy. Joe, you weren't here for Sam Darnold, but you were here for two years of him behind center and the coach that was here, I know you didn't hire him. They, they admitted we didn't do enough for him. Joe Douglas didn't do enough on the offensive line for Sam Donald. 
So I, I go back to that fireable offense where I don't want to change because I don't want to blow this whole thing up. It's never good. In two years, changing coaches again, now changing a GM again. It's going to be, what, the third GM in, in six years? It, it doesn't work. It doesn't work by doing it. We just got to figure out how to move forward. And somebody has to put the big boy pants on in that, in that, in that room and say, this is the strategy we need going forward. And these are the top-notch coaches we need to help work with Zach and develop, right? Put the offensive game plan together and build it all out. So that that's what really, really irks me. I mean, there's some other things that irk me, but you know, this is a little bit about the Jets, but you know, more about the the the, the Bills and, and the playoff structure, you know, the, for for the for Wild Card Weekend. But well, that, yeah, it, what, it, I, I want I want to just a couple things before before we move over to America's team. Um, is that you know when you look at Salah and you and you look at his his coaching resume, right? He is in essence he was a 15 year coach in the NFL of some capacity. Uh, you know, last four was the defensive coordinator, which led to him getting the job with you, right? Because uh, outstanding defense there um, with the 49ers. Um, you know, linebackers coach, uh, defensive quality control coach in Seattle, right? Things of that. I, I really want to say that the problem with Robert Sala is the lack of experience. And, you know, there, there, are, there are coaches that come into the league that are rookie head coaches, right? I, you know, I, I have to look at McDermott, right? When you look at Sean McDermott, there was a plan that he and Brandon Bean came in with, right, tied to the hip. Uh, first day, they said, you know, you have to trust the process. The, the infamous trust the process, right? Uh, but from that, they, they realized where they needed to go and what they needed to do, right? When they first came in, mind you, they, it, it, it was still Tyrod Taylor, right? They knew that they were they had to get a franchise quarterback. They knew that Tyrod was not their franchise quarterback. And everybody expected them that first year that they were just going to go draft a quarterback, and they didn't, right? Partly because the class that was following they knew was just loaded or, or appeared to be loaded, right? We'll say it like that. Um, but they had a plan. Right. There was a plan all along how to get there. Um, and and I, I wonder if as the rookie head coach with maybe not as much experience in some of those decisions. Again, I don't know, you know what happened in Houston. I don't know what happened in San Francisco. I don't know what happened in Jacksonville as far as what he was privy to or what he wasn't privy to. But it didn't feel like they had the true plan. You bring in a Greg Knapp, and yes, you know, tragic, tragic situation. But if you're going to stick to your plan, then you have a plan B, right? One of the things that that I always say to my team is that you have to expect the unexpected, right? So you're planning for plan A, but you have to also have a plan because the unexpected would tell you that plan A, there's going to be something wrong, 
right? Yeah, and I don't how, know if you expect death. I think I think you may not expect death, hand, you, but right? you you also have uh, you know contacts that you've reached out to. You may say you're not going to take his title, right? You're not going to sit in his chair, but I need you here, right? If I make a phone call, I need you here, right? Call your brother. Right. See, well, what they did was last year with Zach Wilson in his rookie year, they brought in John Beck, who was his quarterback coach at BYU uh, at BYU and offseason coach. Mm -hmm. So they brought him in, I would say, little less than midway of the season. They brought him in to help Zach Wilson. So they they did do something. But is that too late? more comfortable? Yeah, I well, sure. I I I I don't know if uh, you know. Are you ever prepared for death uh, in an organization? I, and, I don't and, think and, so. And, right, and so I, I I don't know. I, that's why I'm trying not to be overly critical because it was such a shock. But but um, CBD, but you in, think in, somebody else within the organization could have stepped up within the tree in the organization? But let me ask you. Let, let let me ask you to throw it back to you. Um, you know, you you get outside of your your full time job here as a professional podcaster, right? Right. If somebody died within my my old tree, I replace them. And, and you go well, and you go to your part time job, right? And as in in your with your part time job, um, you have somebody and untimely, right? They're gone, and they were to help develop, you know, members of your team, right? Do you say well? No, you, you know, replace them. Yeah, you you have a moment. There's no doubt you have a moment, right? You feel for and, the person, you feel for the family. You're you prepared with that because yeah. all along you've you've established relationships where you know where you can go. It's not going to take you six weeks. It's not going to take you twelve weeks, right? You you got to move on it instantly, and you go do that. That again, that that's where I wonder if the lack of experience, right? And maybe the cohesiveness within that organization, right? And and I just compare it to being in McDermott, right? These guys are tied at the hip, you know, and, and you could just see in every step that they take, they're they're lockstep, right? And I'm just wondering, this caught you off guard. Yes, I'm shook. But now what's plan B? We have got to do plan B. You have the number two draft pick, high draft capital sitting there, right? You can't let that guy just be out there fledgling, you know, and, and regressing maybe, right, from where he was. I don't know. I, I yeah, again, not being in well, that. I, I think you make val valid points, you know, and, and, and that's where I, I think I put more blame on Joe Douglas than Robert Sauer. And Joe Douglas has to, to see the field better and say, hey, we need to backfill this spot. And we have to find somebody that can help nurture and move this young man along and not let him flounder like that. And John Beck, John Beck is not that role. John Beck is more like mechanics and throwing, not so much of um, some of the other things. So um, again, not that I think John Beck was all world for him in his rookie year, right? When he came back from injury, Zach Wilson didn't light it up, but he didn't stink either. Right. It's not like he was a turnover machine before he got hurt. Um, but uh, I got a name for you. The ultimate quarterback whisperer, Adam Gase, makes a return back to New York, this well, time in the capacity of the quarterback coach for Zach Wilson. 
No pressure. No pressure. He may be staring off into space or, or giving you, know, you those. On that on that press conference, when his eyes went nuts, I said, that, that guy's a dead man walking in New York. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? It's not going to work right there. Right there. But, you know, they, they, they said Daryl Beryl. Um, uh, you know, obviously Cliff Kingsbury would be an interesting you know, scenario there if he wanted to get right back into coaching um, and, and keep his name in there. I mean, some coaches have done that where they went from OC to offensive coordinator. Um, some coaches don't like that. They think that's they're beneath that point at that point in time. But Cliff is a young guy. Maybe he would. Maybe he won't. But you know, I don't know what direction they're going to go in offensive coordinator. I, I really but if don't. If you do that, you're still not addressing the issue, right? Kingsbury, but, as the OC, does not have the time to dedicate no, no, to. Well, again, you you fired everybody. The Jets already right. said they're replacing Greg now. Like Salah came out admitted. I have to replace him. That's when was my first knowledge, to be honest with you, that they never replaced Greg Knapp. I can't believe they never replaced him to begin with. Right. That, that shocked me. So they already said that they're going to replace the Greg Knapp position, hire the offensive coordinator, and uh, they got a new old line coach they got to hire for, which I think Nick Mangold is throwing his name in the hat um, on that one. Trying to get coaching, huh? All right. There yeah. you go. Um, but Bring the, the Brickerton with him? Ah. Uh, and I miss those two. Freeport's yeah. own the British show Ferguson. <laughs> All right, let let let's let's get to playoff time, Stevie D. You know we're we're gonna can do. We, a- can we capture a couple of things before we get into the Bills? Because the the Bills, we're gonna go in depth in the Bills. I, I want to cover something, and it's like kind of like get off my chest moment. And I feel like if I don't get it off my chest now, I don't know if I can do the rest of the show uh, with the Buffalo Bills. It's- Thank you. A little early, little early it, for it, but it, it is, it is. But I, I, I am over the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh-oh. Okay, and I, Uh-oh. I look at this. Fired. Shots I, I am over the Kansas City Chiefs. That play call in the last week of the season when they were doing the ring around the rosy against the Raiders, I felt like was the ultimate bush play. You're in professional sports and you're mocking professional sports. Now, I'm sure the fans of Kansas City thought it was hilarious and it was great. It is stupid and dumb and immature by the by Andy Reid and that whole coaching staff down to the players that you, you made a mockery of the sport and of other players. That's what, how I look. And I, maybe I'm old school. I just think it was silly and it was unnecessary and they should be ashamed and embarrassed Spot that on. a franchise that – is as talented as them, they have to resort to a bush league play, and and, and that, that's how I feel. I was really pissed about that. So, so a couple things on that, right? I don't know why and how Andy Reid let that go, right? I don't. Uh, to your point, that you don't do that in high school, you don't do that in college. You certainly don't do that in the NFL. If you want to do that in arena or you want to do it in the USFL or the XFL, one of the gimmicky type leagues, go ahead, right? It, they used to have names like he hate me in the back of the jersey, right? That That's the league that you do that. You don't do that in the NFL. I do think that part of it was the fact that they were playing the Raiders. 
and that that is, I guess, their their biggest rival, right? Yeah. No excuse for it, none whatsoever, right? It, it just you don't even do that preseason. You don't do that in a scrimmage. It, no. You just don't do it, right? Players have coming out and spoken against the Chiefs and, and really hit them hard with that. Like you're 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 embarrassing teams with that you're you're embarrassing the league um and and players have come out uh i was i was surprised that players actually spoke about it and one guy for the broncos a lineman uh i really went off the handle i, I don't remember his name but i listened to the interview i'm like good for you man because you spoke up like that and, and and players, don't, players don't forget players yeah. do not forget right yeah. so um but and yeah thank no, you I, for letting me get that off my chest early in the show you know, getting old, I may have forgotten about it by the time you, you wouldn't have. You wouldn't have. We have been talking about that nonstop since. <laughs> Did you see that? <laughs> oh, man, I, I was hot. I was hot. It, you know, there there was a lot that happened uh, in week eighteen. But you know, before I get into the the Bills Dolphins matchup, let's just talk about it and. You know, just look at what week 18 brought us, right? Now, we all know, and if you think about it, it's only been a couple weeks. And, you know, again, so happy for DeMar Hamlin. So happy. He's home, not only home out of the University of Cincinnati Hospital, uh, but he's home home, right? Went went back, uh, got back to Buffalo, and then was released. So, so happy and just continue um, – to, to heal, get better. Um, you know, football is not even a thought. I want you, um, if you're watching tomorrow, I want you to have a very long and, and successful and healthy life. So you do whatever you have to do to continue for your road to recovery. And, and I'm so happy. You know, I, I'm glued, Stevie D. I am glued to social media, which seems to be, the most current news source, right? Forget ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, CNN, none of those, right? They're all like eight hours, 12 hours a day behind, right? They're talking about, well, you know, DeMar was just trying to, no, he was, you know, having this kind of success. He just said, did we win? And you're late to the game with this. But yet, if you go on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, you have the updates up to the minute, right? As soon as it happens, like, bam, you're like, oh, right? And so that that's really where I was, was just going after anything that I could find in social media, right? And uh, just so happy for him and, you know, his continued recovery. And, you know, he's an inspiration and also he's a motivation. Right. Um, and so very good things. But I, you know, I, I had given that two week period. Um, but when we look at week 18, it, it was absolutely crazy because the league had, ju had just announced that there was not going to be the makeup game uh, from that Cincinnati Buffalo game. Right. And the ramifications just spilled out. Right. And so um, you, when you start to look at it, when you start to look at it by not having that makeup, what does that do for Cincinnati? What does that do for Buffalo? And, and lo and behold, it, with the Kansas City what Chiefs, for Kansas City. yes, when you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, um, and, and you look at, interestingly enough, a little side note, interestingly enough, all three teams 
had relatively weak games, right? I think Buffalo had the toughest of them with with New England, but you had um, the Raiders who who for you know for all intents and purposes mailed it in, right? You're starting Stidham. Uh, you had Baltimore on their third string quarterback, right? And then you had New England and Mac Jones or whatever he is, right? Well, you never know what kind of cheats going to happen up in New England, right? Your headsets don't work. Well, it, it, was, it was home. It was home. So, oh, you know, but still, you, you still never know. You know, they could do something. Eyes in the sky, right? Absolutely. Illegally. But as as we watch this in the NFL, you know, finally comes back with the determination that. Cincinnati and Buffalo, that game was not going to be made up, right? It threw everything out of out of whack, right? Because now the NFL goes to the 17 game season, right? But now you got two teams that are playing 16 games. It really was was off, right? Cincinnati and Buffalo separated by one game. Cincinnati and Buffalo both beat Kansas City, right? Buffalo as of week 17, was the number one seed, right? Even though they're tied with Kansas City, we beat you head-to-head, right? And so then the NFL says, well, to determine the seeding in the playoffs, um, you know, basically Kansas City leapfrog both teams with their victory on Saturday, right? Which, again, I don't like NFL. There was no need to have that game on a Saturday. You're, you're, You're trying to get money. Right, it's another short week, not as short as the Thursday, but another short week. We're heading into the playoffs. You want competitive balance, you want competitive fairness. Why do you have a game that has implications on a Saturday? That should have been a that should have been a Sunday, 12 o'clock start for you over there in Kansas City, right? Um, but then then everything was basically over. You knew that the only way that Buffalo could get that number one seed or home field advantage or the not well, they couldn't get the bye, but for the championship game, they, they're going to need for Kansas City to lose in that divisional round. And then they come up with, okay, so if Buffalo and Kansas City both make it to the AFC championship game, then we're going to have it at a neutral site. Okay. Again, I'm struggling with that because Kansas City, I'm going to say it, Kansas City didn't earn that number one seed, right? They did not earn that. Um, and Buffalo certainly did earn that, right? They just only played 16 of the 17 games. Going to a neutral site, well, where's the neutral site? We found out today where it would be, but where's the neutral site, right? And you had a lot of teams that were saying, no, you can't come here, which is interesting. Right. A lot of teams are like, nope, you can't come here. Um, but, you, you know, whether it be travel, whether it be proximity, right, because you and I talked about it. Right. If, if I had my druthers, I, I'd go to go to Pittsburgh. I'd go to Cleveland. Right. I'd go to the Meadowlands. I'd go play in New Jersey. Right. <laughs> go over championship game there. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, these are places I'd go to. Um, and, and, you know, it, the funny thing is, is that, uh, Mark Davis said, well, you can have it over here in Las Vegas. Now being a rival, now I started to think about it being a rival 
maybe he would say anybody in the 913 area code, you can't buy a ticket. And I was like, oh, <laughs> all tickets are going to the 716. You know, may, maybe that's what he was thinking. But, you know, it was so disjointed when it, it was, it at least to me, it was a simple solution, right? The simple solution was the, as long as Buffalo finished at a record of 13 and three, we're not going to, penalize you for not playing that 17th game and we're going to start looking at the tiebreakers right and just look at the tiebreakers the first tiebreaker would have been head to head it's right, because cincinnati does not equate in this says so for the for everybody listening cincinnati doesn't come in this picture because they have four losses the chiefs and buffalo have three that's right so when we're talking as, as a two a two team race for the number one, Cincinnati could never have been the one seed. They could have possibly been a two seed, but never a one seed. Correct. I just want the, to, the uh, only uh, way that they factored into that one seed is if they would have beaten Buffalo, and then Kansas City would have lost to the Raiders. Right. But as soon as Kansas City beat the Raiders, the Bengals were out. Right. Right. And the Bengals were out. But to, again. You, you look at those tiebreakers, that first tiebreakers head-to-head, all right, case closed, right? If you wanted to do the right thing, again, the, the prima donnas and now the New England of the central part of the of the, of the, of the U.S. And, and the fan base, the obnoxious fan base, the NFL didn't want to see them in tears crying that, oh, how did we – get robbed well you didn't get robbed right you had a chance back in what was it week five or week six to make sure that you you sealed your fate as the number one seed and you lost right you lost to josh allen you lost to stefan diggs that's what you did you lost and so you should have not earned or been given gifted uh, a bye week and home field advantage uh, as well as, you know, whatever they were going to get all the way through. Interesting, though, is the location that they selected, right? Again, it just came out today. They selected Atlanta, um, and I kind of like that, right? I kind of like that. The You know how many nor Northerners, New Yorkers, travel south for good? You, 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 <laughs> Let, let so, me tell you, the, the, Buffalo, well. the Buffalo contingent in Atlanta is strong, is strong. Uh, plus, it's close enough for the people that have come to Florida to drive yep. up. Yep. Hint, yep. Hint, it's strong. It's strong. It's, strong. Road trip. It, it's strong for the people from North Carolina to come over there. Right, Bill's backers are all over there. So I kind of like that. Um yeah, you know, I think it, it makes a little bit of a mockery, and the NFL has to be careful with this too, right? Don't don't get too comfortable with this, right? Because remember, the Super Bowl wasn't always played in in uh, you know in in a um, you know a, a, yeah, thank you, right. Yeah. right? So you know, don't don't get too comfortable with this, uh, and, and let's not try to set a precedent here. Um, it, it, it'll be interesting. I, I I do like though the fact that it's there in in Atlanta, and I like the fact that um, you know it, it's more of an Eastern type than a Central or West. So I I'm okay with that. We'll see we'll see what happens. You know my my problem I have with it, 
and we talked about this is that you I it is so unfair and as a as purely as I could be more objective I'm not saying that you weren't objective right but as a non not being a Buffalo fan and not being a fan of Kansas City at the end of the day in my view you you you're withholding the game the, you know the game didn't get played right week 17 didn't get played for Buffalo and Cincinnati and right now, everything is make-believe right now at this point in time. To me, that's what it is. It's make-believe. Because you didn't get an opportunity to play the game. You didn't get an opportunity to make up the game. But whether it looks funny or not, at the end of the day, nobody's going to go back and look at it and say, hmm, that's odd. If Buffalo finished 14-3 and and Cincinnati finished 13-4, uh, uh, thir- uh, and four, nobody's going to go back and say, well, that's kind of weird in the standings because nobody's going to know. Both teams should have just been awarded a victory and you move on. And how the tiebreak is full at that point, the tiebreak is full at that point. Because it's no fault of wrong to those two teams and what happened. No fault to anybody's own. Just could give you imagine the victory. Could you imagine the crying? We're already getting crying that they have to go to Atlanta if, right. if we meet. Could you imagine at, that? At, at the end of the day, knowing that you're a half game behind and they did not beat you head-to-head earlier in the year, there, it, from an objective point of view of not being a fan of either team and having nothing in it from a stakes perspective, it makes zero sense that the Chiefs are the one seed. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense. There's nothing because they lost head to head. And that should have been a stipulation that said, I would be okay if you said, you know what, Kansas City, you can be the one seed. Sure, you're the one seed. You can get your buy. But if you play Buffalo in the AFC Championship game, you don't have home field advantage. It goes to Buffalo. I could have even accepted that as a resolution. Although I still, it's not as fair to Buffalo because you lose the bye, which is a nice, nice get healthy, right? Rest, get healthy, and and then go. But I would have been, as an outsider, would have been okay with a scenario like that. Because, you know, Buffalo still has got to win their games. Kansas City still has to win their games. And if you do... It gets flipped because Buffalo beat you head to head, and and I think the NFL missed uh, uh, opportunity again in my simple head on and yeah. how to do it fair as fair as possible because you could say both teams win, Kansas City gets to buy one less game they have to play, but if you, and then you reward the other half. The flip side is then Buffalo gets rewarded because if they get to AFC, they host it, so it's a win on both sides. It's it's. It was so one-sided to one franchise, and one franchise got penalized. And again, no disrespect to Cincinnati because they had their own trouble. Can you imagine them doing a coin flip if they would have lost to Baltimore, and then they're playing on the road? I mean, <laughs> that, I, I, would, I felt for that. I felt you know for Zach Taylor in Cincinnati, but at the end of the day, we're talking about the one and two seed, right? Not the two and three seed. And I just think the <laughs> NFL put everything into for Kansas City because the neutral side. It may benefit you because you're going to have more fans there. But at the end of the day, there's nothing like being at home. No, you're right. Right? In your city, you're sleeping in your bed. Um, you don't have to travel. Everything is falling your way from that perspective. And going to a neutral site, sorry. You're, you're, you're right. You're spot on. And here's, the, here's the other thing with this. And, again, not coming across with sour grapes, but, you know, just just look at this in, in total here, right? As the one seed, after the reseeding is done, so Buffalo will play 
Miami. Okay, we'll talk about that again. Then the winner of the Cincinnati-Baltimore game. Right, it's Cincinnati-Baltimore? Yes. Okay. So more than likely, Cincinnati's going to win that game. So you will end up with 2-3, right? I've already accounted for Buffalo beating Miami. You'll end up with 2-3. And then Kansas City is going to play the winner of the Chargers in the 4-5 in the Jaguars, right? Which I, I get any given Sunday, but now they will be primed for the AFC championship game Whereas Buffalo or Cincinnati will go through a slugfest, right? Right. Cincinnati doesn't have an easy game because it's a rivalry game, right? It's a division rival. It, they don't it, have it is. They, they, they have it tough, um, but I think they get past it. Yeah, agreed. And, and Buffalo, I Buffalo gets past it, but now you you got two heavyweights going at it. And all the while, Kansas City, being the the benefactor of that one seed, gets to sit back, and then after the two teams come out of that battle, now here here's Kansas City waiting. I, I think you honestly, I disagree. I think you have the advantage if you beat Cincinnati, as long as you come out healthy in the game, because I think the energy of beating Cincinnati, I think, is going to help carry over to to Kansas City. And I think you guys have a chip on your shoulder because of what the NFL did to you. I, I, uh, I, I, I like that having a, I, this. A this game. is the only reason why you should have a chip on your shoulder. That's the only reason why you have a chip on your shoulder. Don't forget that. You don't forget what happened last year. I don't care about new overtime rules. Will not need to use the new overtime rules, right? You have a mission. You've had a mission for the last couple seasons. And what happened last year, you you need to atone for that. And that actually goes to you, Sean McDermott. You need to atone for that. That there was no reason why that needed to go down like that. So I don't know, but all right, Stevie D. Um, enough of the theatrics, right? Uh, if we get down to business, 13 and a half point favorites. <laughs> I you don't, Josh Allen? I mean, come on, right? I don't like, I, I don't like that, right? I, I feel, well, I feel. I feel confident, right? Yeah, you, you know, it came out uh what yesterday that Tua had been officially ruled out. I was happy. Not happy for the game. I was happy for Tua. Dolphins not, had to do that. Not they a big Tua, not a big Tua fan. They did. But they they did, but they had to sit him and, and take him out of the game against Buffalo. They didn't do it. No, they, they, I, I, had, sure. they had to let him sit in between other games and didn't do it right and fully recover. Not now you're in, in the big boy games. I didn't trust them to make the right decision. No, I, I I did. I did because 
The NFL was not going to allow it. I think everybody had conversations said no matter what happens for the shield, right? At all costs, it's about the shield, right? And they cannot play Tua because the doctors and the experts would have come out and it would have bring holy rain, holy hell on the NFL. I didn't, there is no, even if they were to have a miracle and, and take you out, Tua does not play another game this year. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. In my view. In my view I, I think you're right. I hope you're right, but I still have no confidence in Mike McDaniel. I still have no confidence in Chris Greer. I still have no confidence in Stephen Ross because at, at the end of the day, it's about winning games. And, you know, I think he, here's what I think, because the Dolphins are, are very hurt, very banged up heading into this game, right? Uh, <laughs> you, you have issues with the to a franchise. left tackle, right? Well, you know, the, all it is is roll reverse from week three. That's all it is, just putting it out there. Uh, but you have your left tackle, you you have your running back, you have one of your defensive backs. You have key players that are hurt throughout this game. Did, right? did you realize the three players you mentioned? Teron Armstead, Mo- Mozart, and Xavier Howard. Yep. I mean. That's your core. Those are, those are significant injuries. And, oh, by the way, your quarterback is out. That's your core. Oh, by the way, your backup quarterback is out. I, I do believe that if they were not banged up like that, Tua would be under center. Because I think they looked at it and they said, you know, we really don't have a chance, right? We're on the road. We just got beat, yada, yada. We're missing some key players. You know, we're going to give it that, you know, give, do it for the Gipper. We're going to give it that old college try. But at the end of the day, we realize that, you know, the, the deck is stacked against us. Let's not add on to it by risking Tua out there. If, if the guys are, disagree. I, there's no, there's no way that man is playing this year. I don't the trust those guys. I, would rain down. I don't trust those guys at all. But I, I think it's bigger than those three. I think it's it, bigger than those three. It needs to be. But when when well, you I mean, look, they already failed the kid anyway. So at the end of the day, they failed him multiple times this year, and I think finally the everybody's caught up to it and has been making fun of the Dolphins and the trainers and the medical. Same thing with the NFL. How do you miss this? And there's just no way that we're going to put this kid back on the field this year. You're being nice to him. You're giving credit to the the people we don't give credit to at all. <laughs> no, right? uh, no. Well, I'm, I'm not giving them credit. I don't know if it's credit. They're not doing it for the kid. They're doing it for protection of the NFL and their money. Well, okay, yeah. Right. This is not for Tua. This is the protection of dollars and sponsors, and maybe court hearings, right? That could come out of this because somebody goes to Congress and says. The NFL should be under under investigation for putting this kid. We know what what head trauma does, and how do you put this kid back out there? So I think they did it for that reason. Because in all fairness, if nobody cared, he would play if nobody cared. But I think the American people have come out and spoken and made it loud enough that they don't have a choice that they couldn't play. Again, my view, I, I could be way off base. That's just my view. No, no, but I, I, I hear you with that, it, it being as it being self-serving, 
that that yeah, makes more sense. It absolutely is self-serving. They have zero. I don't believe for one second the Dolphins organization cares in that fashion for Tua. Because if they did, they would have had him out in the Green Bay game. Because you're telling me nobody saw a replay of his head snapped down and they let the kid play. Mm-hmm. Right there, it, t- it tells me everything you needed to know right there mm-hmm. after the first one, after the second one, and now that one, and everybody thinks it's okay. So to me, it, it, it throws all that out the window. You don't care about the young man. It goes back to what I said about baseball and Brian Cashman, is that when you when you treat humans like assets, that's the result you get with Tua. Mm-hmm. Because you know what? All right, I can throw him out and get another one. Oh, we'll draft another. Oh, we'll sign a free agent. Because who really cares? Because it's all about now. That's why players, if you have a, a mediocre season, you get cut. And it's easier to cut bait and try and find somebody before. But they don't take into fact that the guy who played on a half a leg all year for you, instead of going out on IR to get healthy, said, hey, I'm a team guy. I'm out there, right? But no, they don't take into account. You're, you're done. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it's, it's going to be interesting. You have Skylar Thompson coming in there uh, at quarterback. Um, Buffalo Mike says – Buffalo uh, says we're preparing. We're preparing it as if Tua was in there. You know, Jalen Waddle is hurt. Tariq Hill is hurt. Right? These guys are all going to play, but Tariq Hill is not hurt. All, say all, all I'll that say was a phony is against the Jets with that ankle. It's a phony. It was a phony injury. He was getting shut down left to right. All, all of a sudden, all, he could run a deep route. Though, come back. What's up? Is that all I'm going to say with this? Is that Again, any given Sunday, something can happen, right? Right now, the hand looks really, really good, right? There's people that are sitting there playing poker and are sitting there with a full house like, oh, I got a hand, right? And then there's somebody sitting right next to you that has a straight flush, right? Anything can happen. So and the person yeah. next to him has a royal flush. Right? <laughs> and this guy's like, what, what just happened, right? So, you know, I, I don't want to – as they say, put the cart before the horse, right? Um, and I'll, I got a bunch of them in, in the back, right? Don't don't count your chickens and all, all that kind of stuff, right? They they have to go out there and, and they have to be focused in what they're doing. If you want to do it for, for DeMar, you know, use that as your motivation. If you want to do it because you want to avenge something, use that as your motivation. If you want to do it just because it's the Dolphins, do you use that as your motivation, right? But you have got to stay focused, right? You you have a goal. You had a goal coming at the beginning of the year, and that goal starts now, right? And you've got to stay focused. What I really would like to see, right, is to get to a point where maybe by halftime, maybe by, you know, mid-third quarter, that we're at the point where, we can then start bringing in the case Keenums of the world, right? You, you start bringing in those backups so that uh, you can kind of rest your players. It's not like having a bye week, right? Uh, but, you know, kind of rest the guys so that you don't get that freak injury, somebody rolling up on your ankle, right? Running into the linesman or, or something like that, getting a hammy, anything like that. I don't want that. Um, but I will tell you another thing. And certainly it's – I think part of it, Stevie D, is based upon what happened a few weeks ago. 
but the Bills did, uh, I guess, activate Micah Hyde. So I do have potentially, not this week, but next week, I will have my dynamic duo back there in the secondary. Now, obviously, when Hyde went down, um, I think he had um, the neck. Yeah, yeah. And so when he went down, had the surgery, that's when Hamlin came in to replace him, right? Um, and so he's been, I had the surgery, injury reserve, came off. He's eligible to come off. He's back. Um, I believe he has like 21 days to be promoted, uh, but he's back. And if we can get those two back together, I, I mean, that that's Batman and Robin. That That's, you know, fire and ice, you know, whatever, whatever two you want to put together. Um, and, and very excited about that. Glad that he's healthy to come back. And, you know, just him out on the field and, and participating in practice, that's really good. Another guy who's back, Jameson Crowder. <laughs> Your boy. <laughs> the guy you don't want. And now, Cole's that, music, what happened with Cole? Well, so I'm headed there. Now, that's your boy there. You were like, oh, you're going to love him. He's going to, you know, enough of these drop passes from, from you, Jamison Crowder, but uh, leading to an interception, well, by the way. To put him in the right spot. Yeah, on the bench. He didn't have that problem with the Jets. We were throwing the ball all over the place. <laughs> oh, what's going on over there? Maybe you can't play in the extreme cold. You, you bring it up, and it, it, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens here, right? I, I, I'm I'm anxious to see. You have John Brown had a huge touchdown pass reception uh, last week. Yeah, Cole that is an incredible play by Josh Allen. Jesus, it seems like he could just do that at will, the rollout, and then the dime, like 50 yards in the air, whatever it was. I'm like, you got to be the, kidding me, man. That's the just- catch was better than the throw. Yes. It may, maybe well, because I'm maybe because I'm used to it, but that catch for people that didn't see it, what made that catch special is that he was able to cup his arms as he was going to the ground to make sure that that ball never touched the turf, right? The body control and the way he was able to do that, right? enabled that to be that touchdown. We have seen far too often in a league that is quick to say, I have no idea what a catch is, and to overturn plays like that, right? He took that completely away from the officials. They were ready and waiting, right? You know they were up in the booth like, show me a little bit of movement of that ball. And the way he cradled that ball, it never moved. Phenomenal catch, phenomenal catch. You're right with the Josh. To to Bills fans, Bills Mafia, we see it all too all yeah, too often, yeah. right? Rolling out, out of the pocket, off balance, just flicking his wrist and throwing it sixty yards on the dime. That, that's it. The flick of the wrist. The you know he's bringing the arm whip to throw the ball because you got to generate that. But it looks like he's not, and that's what's so incredible about it to be yes. able to do that. Just an extreme arm talent that young man has. Incredible. Yes, uh, indeed, indeed. Okay. So, you know, I, when, when you look at Crowder coming back, when you look at John Brown, right, you have Cole Beasley. Again, not a big fan of Cole Beasley, but I'll take Cole Beasley over Isaiah McKenzie when we start getting into the playoff roster, right? So then, oh, I said that, right? You, you have Shakir, who I really loved Shakir coming out of training camp. 
He's made a couple big plays, right? But it's been very spotty. Uh, then you look at Gabriel Davis, who is the enigma out of the entire receiving court, right? Diggs is Diggs, <laughs> right? We, we know Diggs. But here's the thing with Gabriel Davis. I, I was talking to somebody about this. And when you look at Gabriel Davis, Gabriel Davis, when he first came to the Bills, you know, as a rookie, was known for his sideline catches, right? The toe-tap swag is what they like to call it. And he was catching on everybody, right? Allen would lay it out of bounds. He'd stretch his long frame, keep the feet inbounds, and make a phenomenal catch, especially in crucial situations down the distance. Then he had, you know, the following year, last year, followed that up, had a decent year, but his breakout was that Kansas City game, right? Was that playoff game. I think it was eight for 200, right? Four touchdowns. Four? Just four. Just went off, right? Just went off. And everybody's like, oh, that's the second receiver, right? There, There's your dynamic duo. And this year, I don't know if it was the pressure or I don't know if it was the spotlight now that is being, you know, shown on him. All of a sudden, you started to see a different player, right? Expectations were higher, right? And so maybe you didn't really uh, didn't really worry about the occasional drop. Well, you know, it's their third receiver. It's our fourth. That's going to happen, right? But now when he's your number two, when when he's getting a, a very fair high amount of targets, when, he, when his snap count is 80%, right, more than Stephon Diggs, you have expectations that when the ball is thrown to you, you're catching the ball. It's not bouncing off your face mask. It's not bouncing off your chest. It's not bouncing off your hands. It is sticking to your hands, right? And that hasn't happened, right? Um, a very inconsistent, had, you know, a massive game against Pittsburgh, right? Everybody remembers that. Um, but, you know, he, he kind of – where does he fall into this flow, right? Does All of a sudden, does John Brown maybe go to the two? Right, yeah. Put Beasley in the slot. Does Davis go to the four? Right. I don't know how, and that that's something that Dorsey McDermott have to kind of figure out how they want to do that, how they want to structure. Brandon Bean has to figure that out because who are you calling up off the practice squad? So that's going to be interesting. And then again, adding Crowder into the mix. I, honestly, if you add Crowder into the mix, I, I definitely think McKenzie is, is done. Right, I, I think he goes to the bench, um, and I think Shakir would end up going to the bench, and I think that's those would be the five that they would run with. Um, you, you have to keep John Brown in there with that speed. Um, you know, he his nickname is Smoke for a reason, right? The guy, and if you look at again that touchdown we talked about, if you looked at that route, right, he was doing kind of like a a fifteen yard drag, but you know, coming across the field. And then he turned it into a wheel route and just took off and was gone, right? It was gone, right? And, and it's speed like that that come playoff time, you need to have it. You need to have it, right? You got to be able to stretch that field, open the field. That creates all those spots there in the zone. Uh, it'll break coverage if it's man-to-man -man coverage. You, you'll be able to get right past that guy. There's so many uh, huge factors when you have speed like that that you can parlay, and then, you know, you take something like that, and then all of a sudden James Cook has some room to dance. Devin Singletary has some room to dance, right, because now you don't have everybody confined within that 15 yards of the line of scrimmage. So 
uh, I, I'm I'm curious to see what they're going to do, how they're going to do that. Um, but I, you know, we're we're going to talk. Obviously, again, I don't want to be a jinx or anything like that. But you know, Stevie D, I'm I'm not really too worried about this game. The only thing that concerns me is injuries. Right? Let's get out of this healthy. Right? Let's let the guys who are banged up let those guys get healthy. Let's be ready for that divisional round and get past this super wild card weekend that they have. Well, this super card weekend uh, with the Buffalo Bills, I'm I, you. You probably won't give a score, but I'm going to give a score because I can't because I'm not. I'm not a Buffalo Bill guy, right? So I, I have it as 45-13 Buffalo, and I think Buffalo is going to send a statement throughout the NFL that they are they're not playing around. Um, right. And that, that, that's I think they're they're just going to send that same. I think there's multiple chips on the ball. Right. You got Demar. Right. You're you're playing for him. You're playing for the three on the jersey without a doubt. You're sending a message to uh, the uh, the to the Kansas City Chiefs that we're we're here to play. Forty five thirteen. You may need to be the number one seed, but we're going to take you out. And then you got um, if you play Cincinnati, it's the same. It's the same message, right? We're not playing around. We're here to stop you. And Joe Mixon, you can talk all the trash you want that says it comes through Cincinnati and we're this and we're that. Um, I think coming into the season, everybody thought the Buffalo Bills were the best team in the NFL. And I think it's going to be a statement game here at home with all the with everything that's that's gone on from from DeMar and, and to the losing of the number one seed. You got all these chips on your shoulder. You got Joe Mixon. You got losing the one seed. You got DeMar, right? You, you have all this. And the Miami Dolphins are going to be on the receiving end of that in that first playoff game. And it's going to be a bloodbath because I just – Skyler, it's just not there, right? Now you're going to put him on the road in that environment. I know it's never a sure thing, and, and you have – you you know, you, you don't want to be overconfident and all that. Look I don't think he's going to be overconfident. I don't Look think he's going to They're just going to dominate. I just think they're going to – I think they're going to dominate. That's, that's, I, that's I hope so. I, I hope so from your mouth to my ears, right? And hopefully from my ears to that field, we'll 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 see that. Um I I, I think it's gonna be a victory, but I'm not gonna call a score on that one. Again, I'm just asking for one thing, and that 45, is 13. <laughs> I'm just asking for one thing and that and that's for us to come out of this oh. healthy, right? That that's what I want. I want us to be healthy and let's get ready for that divisional round. But yeah, so that that's gonna wrap this one up for my co-host Stevie D. I'm Vince, and we'll talk to you soon.